Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Book of Numbers 21 and 4. Amen. If you would like to stand, we'll read the scripture tonight and ask the Lord to bless this word to our heart. Then I will give you my title and perhaps um, it may not make any sense right now, but maybe before we dismiss it will. Numbers 21 and 4. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged of the way. Amen. And they journeyed from the Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged by the way. This is obviously uh, the journey of the children of Israel from Egypt to Canaan land. And uh, with the help of the Lord this evening, I want to preach to you from this subject one more step. Just one more step. Amen. Lord, I thank you today for your word and I thank you for your spirit. And I ask you tonight, God, to help this gathering. Lord, to have not been in vain because we've come together and your word is a centerpiece. We pray tonight, God, that this word will find a suited place in the heart of someone or someones that are sitting here in this house this evening. I pray, God, that the encouragement your word has brought to me today will also encourage those that are here. We give you praise and honor in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated in the fear of the Lord. I don't really know where this message may find you this evening, and when I say that, I, I truly don't know that ever when we come, and uh, but I believe that the Lord does allow us together uh, on purpose and with a purpose. The scripture says that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and so I believe that ordered steps have brought us where we are here this evening. Amen. I don't think there's anything arbitrary about this gathering, but God knows exactly who is going to be here and and uh, who will hear this word tonight or who may hear this word ultimately somewhere uh, down the road. But if there's something that said that will encourage you, if there's something that will, that will uh, lend you some strength for just a, a few more steps down the way, am I on here? A few more steps down the way, then we'll just believe that there has been great success here and that the Spirit of God has, in, in, has indeed touched your life in the fashion that His Word or His will would accomplish in our lives. Amen. I'm thankful, for, I'm thankful for the goodness of the Lord, and I'm thankful for His mercy. The Scripture says that His mercy endureth forever. To all generations, the hand and the Spirit of God touches our lives. And so I'm great with great confidence I have hope in Him, not necessarily in us, but I have hope in Him and in His Word. And so I pray that His Spirit will do just that. At his lowest point, the scripture says that an angel told Elijah to arise and eat 
and then doing so that he would have journey for the or strength rather for the journey that was before him. And so tonight I want to encourage you and the Lord to do just the same thing. I know that many times we like to put on a brave face and that we've never had a bad day and there's never been any clouds that stopped over our house. And so if you're here tonight, I'm just going to ask you to endure the next several moments while we try to encourage everybody else here this year. Amen. If you've been serving the Lord any time at all, you'll understand that there are seasons, <clears throat> times certainly of discouragement and difficulty. It's just part of the journey. It's part of life. And when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that doesn't exempt you uh, from from things that happen in our lives. People uh, still encounter many, many things. And I've often said that I've never been discouraged in serving the Lord, but I have been discouraged while serving the Lord. I've never been discouraged with God. But along the journey, the, the load has gotten heavy from time to time. And there have been, been days that you just didn't really know uh, that you could make any sense out of what was going on in your life. And I've never been discouraged in serving Him, but I have certainly been discouraged while serving the Lord. I, like so many here this evening, have faced mountains that just seemed, for the moment, uncrossable. It just seemed as though there were no answers for the prevailing questions that came against my mind. All sorts of situations in life that that just make you want to stop sometimes and look up and just wonder, uh, am I speaking to anybody here tonight besides me? Amen. Just want to look up and wonder, is anybody else in the world facing something like this? Has anybody else ever encountered something like this? But here's what I do know. Everyone, at some time or another, has felt the bitter pains of anguish and discouragement and things that attempt to dampen your soul. Amen. Things that just try to rob you of your joy, whether for a moment or for a season. Things that come against us. And so when we consider our text this evening, most of us are familiar with the journey of the children of Israel from, uh, from Egypt uh, making their way to Canaan land. If you've read about this Exodus journey, then you will discover that they really did face many things along the way. There really were some Days that were filled with questions and days that were filled with obstacles. I know there was a cloud by day and a fire by night. I get that. But that was all in heaven. That was all up here. And they were living down here. They were in the sand and the thistles and they were in the hot sun. And Amen. And so I understand that God never left them nor forsook them. And we've never been forsaken in our journey. But there are some times that, that heaven seems eerily silent when I pray. There are times that life seems to make no sense at all. We face those things. As we look at this particular passage of Scripture, they did face a lot of things. We find them in this particular part of the journey. It had really become very, very taxing for everyone. In the beginning, Moses said, I can't do this because I'm not a man of plain speech. And so the Lord said, well, we'll fix that. And he just allowed Aaron to be brought into that scenario. And Aaron now is going to not only be there uh, to assist him in that endeavor, but he was Moses' brother. And so they had a lot in common. And, and they had already a forged friendship and relationship. But now 
the brother of Moses has died. And Moses is having to help encourage those that are weary with the toil and the inconveniences of their travel. And travel can be wearisome. Last year, uh, very intentionally after general conference, Sister Boyd and I had scheduled about seven or six or seven days or so coming home where we were going by to visit various churches that had recently built a new church building and we wanted to go by and get some ideas and and so we had mapped us out a pretty good plan. But I'm going to tell you by the time we got home, we had already been living out of suitcase for a week. And so when we left conference, we knew that we were going to be just stopping every night in a different city and some in a different state making our way back home. And so we tried to pack accordingly. We tried to hang everything up accordingly. And some of you are grinning because you know about how that worked out. It still looked like we were moving in everywhere we stopped. And uh, by the time we got home, I was weary with the journey. I was ready to be out of that suitcase and ready to be in my own home. And so I get the weariness that travel can sometimes bring to us along the way. And so these people, the Bible says that their soul was much discouraged. I think it's interesting how that is pointed out. It wasn't just, uh, it, was, it wasn't just something they could brush off, but their soul had been vexed. And there are certain and sure discouragements that come to us all along the way. And so when you find yourself in the throes of that sort of thing, there is a tendency in every one of us to start trying to compare things in our lives. We look when it's, when it's raining and storming in our life, we are so sure at that moment to find those that it just seems like the sun is perpetually out and the birds are perpetually singing. We, we compare our circumstances versus their circumstances. We look at the race that is set before us because that's what Paul admonished us to do, to run the race that's set before us. But sometimes we consider with great, great tenacity, the race that is set before us versus the race that is seemingly set before others. It seems like there are those that go through life and they never have any major health issues to deal with. And and so it just seems like to those that have health issues, you can peer across the fence and wonder what in the world is going on. You're not wishing something on them, but it sure makes you wonder. There are those that it just seems like their family and their children never have any hiccups on the radar. And then there are others who just seemingly from day one, it has just been one thing right after the other. And when you are in the throes of something like that, it's very difficult not to look across the way and just wonder, where did we go wrong? I'm preaching about one more step. With each comparison, we sink lower and lower and lower into that pit of despair because discouragement can pull us down, down, down. You have to be very careful when it comes to this thing called discouragement. I've said many times that everybody gets discouraged. Everybody gets discouraged. But it, the key is found in the fact that we realize I can't stay discouraged. Because when I allow myself to camp out in this little campground of despair, now that changes the dynamics of everything. I may get discouraged, but I can't, I can't 
build roots there. I can't drive my tent stakes too far down because there's a real danger in staying there. The devil loves to take advantage of our thought process during these seasons. And so that's why it's important that we understand various passages of Scripture and what these writers have to say about things like that. Paul said to the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians 2 and 11, he said, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, we are not ignorant of his devices. How many times have you ever said in your, in, when something was going on in your life, you, all, you got all wound up about it only to realize in a moment of time, wait a minute, this is the enemy that's working against me here. Amen. Paul said, lest, we, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, we shouldn't be ignorant of his devices. And so when the devil comes in in times of difficulty and tries to take advantage of our devotion to God, we need to build a hedge against that and say, no, wait a minute, I'm not going there. Calamities of life assault, and we sometimes find ourselves in this storm of doubt. We maybe face things like lost health or lost wealth, lost dreams or lost jobs, or the list could go on and on and on of things that have just seemingly slipped through your hands. And maybe you feel like to some degree you'll never get some of that back. When you get discouraged, the devil works overtime to take every other thing in your life and get that out of focus as well. I know I preached about it not long ago, but Asaph of Psalms, amen, we find his writing, and the Bible says with such transparent honesty, he said, when I see the prosperity of the wicked, I mean, it really got to him. It really got under his skin. It got in his crawl. It got in his soul, if you please. Amen. And he said, I, I, I just, when I saw that, my, my foot almost slipped. I almost gave up. I almost threw in the towel. You insert whatever line you want a place in there, but Asaph said, I really got messed up in my thinking when I looked over and I saw what was going on in their lives. Amen. And there are some things that we have to really pull into our spirit when we're walking through paths like this. We know we on the shadow of a doubt, not only does Scripture teach, but we've already lived long enough to know that God works in mysterious ways. The devil doesn't want us to understand that. I wonder how many times God has reached toward us with mercy when we really didn't deserve it. I just wonder how many times God has loved us when we really didn't deserve to be loved. There's many scriptural examples of this for us to see. Saul, in the, in, despite his rebellion and despite his disobedience, amen, was still allowed to rule for a season. Judas, even though he had it in his heart to betray the Son of God, amen, he was still allowed, he was still allowed to walk for a season of time. And so in all of our lives, we've had those seasons when God's mercy came our way, when we were actually walking the other way. But by the same token, we can see the exact opposite of that in Scripture. We see men like Job, who suffered from severe afflictions of not only his body, but his mind and his spirit. But it was during this particular moment of his life and season that he saw a side of God that he had never known before. Amen. So there are times when it seems like that everything is going wrong and God just shines a light. Abraham patiently endured many things because he had 
been made a promise. Amen. He had been made a promise. So he endured a lot of things. He lived without a lot of things because he was a man on a mission. Joseph endured all the things that he encountered in his life because of the dreams that God had given him as a child. And so we understand that God's ways are not always our ways. And we're never going to be able to figure God out. And the devil wants nothing more than to build a cloud of confusion when it comes to this thought, a train of thought. We think about the examples in Scripture. It just doesn't seem to add up. It just doesn't make any sense in our way of our rationale. Here is Moses, a man who gave himself to God and by faith began to march those men and women out of Egypt's bondage. A man who was divinely ordered and ordained of God. A man who went to the mountain with the Lord and watched the finger of God as it wrote out His commandments in stone. A man so totally devoted to the Lord and yet he was leading a people apparently from all we can understand that that uh, they, they murmured like they were getting paid for it. They complained like it was a full-time job. And here's Moses at times just throwing his hands up and saying, Lord, it's enough. If this is what you want me to do, then take me now. And if you think I'm making this up, read it. It's right there. There were times that God said, Moses, move out of the way and I'll destroy them. And Moses said, no, 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 don't do that, Lord. And other times Moses is saying, Lord, just take me out now. I'm just not able to do this. And Moses just kind of pats him on the head. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And finally, in a moment of, don't you understand his moment of frustration? I mean, let's not be too hard on the man. He's only gone for just a few days in the big picture of things. And when he comes back down, they're dancing around an aisle. They're just carrying on like the Red Sea hasn't even opened. <laughs> they're carrying on like the bitter water had never been made sweet. They're, they're acting as though they have been abandoned out here in the middle of nowhere. And because that, it cost Moses seeing, experiencing rather, the promised land. Yet, think about it, that Moses died in the same desert that the complainers died in. That just seems unfair. It's all right to say Amen. You kind of would think he'd at least be ushered to some different sand. But he has to die. He has to die in the same dirt of all these murmuring, complaining people. Just doesn't seem right. When you think about Saul and such an ill-spirited man who hated David, who on more than one occasion did everything within his power to pin him to the wall with his with his knife. And when you compare that to the spirit of his son, Jonathan, who loved David, (laughs) that should have never happened. But Jonathan had knit his soul to the soul of David and he loved David and they were the best of friends. And he said, David, I want you to just do one thing for me. When we are all gone, when this is all said and done, I want you to make a covenant with me that you'll look out for my children, my family. I want you to preserve my household. And David did just that. And here is a man who hates David and a man who loves David. And they die on the same hill in the same battle. It just makes no sense. And so there are times that these mysterious ways of God... Now, I'm not going to try to explain all, none of that. 
I'm just making a point. But there are times that we get so confused by this mysterious way of God that our soul gets vexed. It rains on the just and the unjust, so the Scripture says. And so that means that the rain falls on the farmer's field that prays to God every day and supports the work of God and loves the ministry of God. And it rains the same amount on the farmer that curses God every day and thinks nothing about the way of the kingdom. Amen. And so that just makes no sense. But God said, this is how we're going to do it. It's going to rain on everybody. Amen. The rain on the just and the unjust. And so we can't get discouraged because of the journey. The devil doesn't want us to know that there's a day of reckoning that's going to come for those that abuse his mercy. I mentioned Asaph a moment ago. He was distraught. He was discouraged. His foot well nigh slipped. He almost wanted to cast in all the chips. Amen. Until he went into the sanctuary of God. And God began to open his eyes. And he saw a bigger picture. And he saw therein. Asaph got a divine revelation about something. Amen. In his petitions to God. He saw what was ultimately going to happen when men that had taken advantage of the mercy of God met therein. He understood that God was going to take care of all of this in due time and in his time. And so the devil uses the mercy of God sometimes shown to others in an attempt to get up us to walk away from Him or, or to drive a wedge between us and our, and our relationship to the church. However, I cannot afford to allow this to determine my affection toward God. Amen. I, I don't want my soul tainted. I don't want my relationship with God tainted. Amen. Because no one is going to be able to avoid the judgment of God. Amen. The devil wants us to be taken. He wants us to be surprised. He wants us to be caught off guard by the trouble that has moved in next door. He'll do our best to point out how wonderfully sinners are getting along. However, there's something we cannot afford to forget. Amen. It's often during the seasons of difficulty that we begin to grow. Hear me now. Stay this way. It's often during seasons of difficulty that God uses that moment of time to cause us to grow. God, it's during that season He really begins to shape our lives through the trials that we must endure. Seasons of difficulty bring something out in us. I know we don't want to really amen this all that loud, but it's really the truth. Amen. Because it's in those seasons of uncertainty and those seasons of loneliness of soul that we long to be in the house of worship. Amen. It's then in those seasons that the Word of God becomes so precious. Amen. That the Word of God, we just hold on to it. Amen. It's then that we desire to fast and pray like never before. We yearn just for a touch of the Master's hand. We really learn sometimes during those seasons to appreciate the fellowship of others. I know it's not pleasant to hear, but it makes it no less true. 
prosperity has been a stumbling block to more people than trouble has ever thought about being. Amen. There have always been more souls to experience shipwreck because the blessings that come upon their lives than the adversity because there's something about that that adversity of life. I'm not preaching against prosperity, but I'm telling you that adversity, that adversity, it'll, it'll help us make room for prayer. It'll help us make time for God. It'll help a praise come from the lower part of our soul than ever before. Amen. For no particular reason whatsoever. But the last few weeks, I have found myself personally just in prayer and in quiet times alone. I have found myself just looking over my shoulder and recounting some, uh, I hope you take this phrase right, but some of the darker moments of my life spiritually. Amen. Just looking back over seasons of real tests, real trials, just just thinking back over that, not trying to rehash every little millisecond of it, but just thinking about some of the darkest moments of my life. As I begin to think about them one by one, begin to focus on them one by one. I found a common denominator amid all of this review. It was during some of those seasons of my life that God planted something so rich in my spirit. It was during this season that God revealed that to me. It was during this time that God spoke this to me. And those were nuggets. Amen. They weren't just something. It wasn't just a word to get me through the next 30 days. Amen. But it became a lion and a bear like David. It was something and I took off the shelf and I put that in my pocket. And when I went further down the road, something come up and I realized I'm going to be able to make this mountain. Why? Because I've got some examples here. I've got some trophies from yesterday. Amen. That didn't happen to me when I was on top. Everything was going my way. That didn't come to me when everything just seemed to be stacked in my favor. But it was in those lonely times that God planted something in my heart. Amen. You think what you will. But I think the songwriter was thinking about more than just seasons of plenty when they penned the words, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. I've got to make it to heaven somehow. Though the devil tempt me and try to turn me around, he's offered everything, he said, that's got a name. All the wealth I would want and earthly fame. If I could, still I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. I don't think that was necessarily born from the heart of a man that said, I want to make everybody feel as good as I feel right now. But I believe it may have been born, amen, in the fire of adversity where somebody said, I just want you to know, amen, I'm going to get up one more day. I'm going to press on one more time. I am determined to take one more step. One more step. You ought to thank God. Amen. And I ought to thank God that we have from time to time to struggle and claw to get where we are. It makes you appreciate the ground that you gain. If you, it, it pushed you to a place in God. It gave personality to our prayer and our worship. Say what you will, but I believe that Andre Crouch did more than write a song. But I believe he preached the message when he said, I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There have been times that I didn't know right from wrong. 
But in every situation, God gave blessed consolation that my trials come only to make me strong. And then He penned the most simplistic words to a course that could ever be written, yet it galvanized something in our spirit when He said, through it all, through all of this, I have learned to trust in Jesus. Through my highs and through my lows, through the sun scorching my brow, amen, through those seasons of question marks, it has become something i got a hold of. Through all of this, I learned to trust in God. Many years ago, Sister Dorothy Land was talking to me about the death of her son, J.L. And with such calm assurance, she looked at me and said, Through this season of my life, I learned how to trust Jesus. Amen. Now listen, I think that's a much broader statement than just here and now. It was during this season only. Amen. That God helped me to learn to trust Him. No, I believe it was something that forever became the benchmark in her life. Amen. I learned then that I can trust Him. And if I could trust Him with my hand on a casket, if I could trust Him standing at the graveside, Amen. I know that in my tomorrows I can trust Him again. And the next time the sun prematurely surely set seemingly at noon I'm going to go back and remember if I could trust him then I can trust him now I'm talking about one more step what are you asking of us tonight what are you preaching about preacher I'm talking about one more step I'm talking about just rising up and say I believe I can get one foot in front of the other I believe I can just go one more mile amen amen Lord help me help me Amen, amen. It may be from appearances that we have, that others have all the riches and all the fame and all the pleasures and all the friends and all the toys that this world has to offer. But David said it this way. He said, their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than a heart could wish. That's what David said. So this is not a 2013 issue. <laughs> David said their eyes stand out with fatness and they have more than a heart could wish. And they want so much more than what they have. The fact of the matter is they want what you have. Amen. You have God's presence. You understand His Word. You have a clean conscience and a pure heart. You have freedom from the bondage of sin. Yeah, the favor of God. Amen. They long for a home where peace abides. Amen. You have that. You have that. An emperor once said to his subjects, he said, you look on my robe and this golden crown, but if you knew what cares are under it, you would not pick it up off the ground to have it. If you just knew what was behind that billboard. If you just knew what was behind that advertisement. Amen. If you could just get the Marlboro man to be real honest with you for just five minutes. Just five minutes. If you could just get him to speak from his heart about how it really is. Hear me now. Amen. I pray that God will help me to never ever lose sight of that. I cannot afford to lose sight of that. I remember many years ago, sitting in a restaurant, my wife and I with a pastor and his wife. While we were sitting there, a man made his way over to our table. And he began to inquire about how they were doing and how the church was doing and things of that nature. It was just a 
There was just a, a marked emptiness. A marked emptiness. Yet, to look at him, he had all the trimmings of success. It was, it was such an awkward moment because here's a man who appears to have it all. But there was a marked emptiness. How are you doing? How's the church doing? How's so-and-so doing? How's this one doing? How's that one doing? When he walked away from the table, I, I, I just, we just had to inquire. And they began to talk to us about this man. And they were talking about, and then you're going to, if you, if you misinterpret this to be uh, a message against having anything in life, you're missing the, the mark. But he said that they were a young couple in their church when they were just a home missions church and and he said one night they had invited them over to eat. They were just poor as poor could be. And he was a hard-working man. He owned a little small machine shop in town. And they were just barely making ends meet. As a matter of fact, one time they had to make a trip out of town. They didn't have a spare tire. And they borrowed a spare tire from the pastor. Just to, They didn't have anything at all. And he said one night they had invited them over to eat. And he said while we were sitting in their dining room table having supper, the Spirit of the Lord spoke prophetically through me to them. And he said... And and he said, God is about to bless your business beyond your wildest imagination. But don't forget where God has brought you from. It was just a matter of time until he had acquired some contracts overseas. And, and in just a matter of a few months, things began to roll his way. And, and after a while, he was making millions of dollars. And in the process of all that, they got colder and colder and colder. Sad. That didn't have to happen. That didn't have to happen. And so the next day, after we had discussed that that night, the next day, that was still just such a, a conversation, at least in our mind. He took us by their home. Never seen anything like it. Took us by their business. This is where they started. This is where they are today. What I could never get away from was not the home and the business and the clothing and the trimmings. But what I couldn't get away from was the marked look of how's everybody? How's this? How's that? Because they longed. I'm not using this for the sake of a sermon tonight. I'm not denying the fact that we all face troubles, saints and sinners alike. But what I do want to point out this evening is this, is that we know where to turn when the storm starts gathering in. David said in the 107th Psalm, verse 6, Then they, then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distress. I want to tell you what you did not have to do today on your way home. You did not have to run to the bar room to find hope. You did not have to run to the drug pusher's home to hang out this evening. You do not have to run to some den of debauchery just to try to get through this afternoon, just to try to get to make it through. No. Amen. What, I'll tell you what started happening this afternoon in lives, not just here, but all around this world. Amen. People started looking at their clock and they knew at 7.30. There were going to be some people gathering in the house of God. You understood that, amen, when I get there, everything will be alright. Amen. It's here that I'm going to find hope and strength and it's not going to be a temporary thing, but it's here. It's here that I'm going to get a word that I can pull that word and I can press it into 
spirit. And it won't just be a sermon that puts on a shelf somewhere, but it'll be a divinely orchestrated Word of God that is planted in my heart and it will give me strength for tomorrow. Amen. I have referred to this many times this evening, but I want us to go there as we close and be reminded of something before we leave here this evening. Psalm 73, 17. Amen. Asaph was so messed up in his spirit and messed up in his thinking. He said, until I went to the sanctuary of God, then I understood therein. Surely, he said, thou didn't set them in slippery places. Thou cast them down into destructions. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment, they are utterly consumed with terrors. I get it. I get it. Brother Joe Osborne once said, if you live for God any length of time, you will have to go to the kitchen of sorrow and cook out of every pan. You will. You will. I think I know what he was referring to. It seems like at one point or another, we're going to go there. We're going to experience this or that. A cross-country runner... was being interviewed about an upcoming race. He was asked, do you ever get, you ever get leg cramps when you're running in a race like this? He said, oh, most certainly. Most certainly. He said, have you ever had a hamstring pulled running cross country? I said, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The reporter said, when you're running, you ever get cramps in your side? He said, oh yeah, he said, I've experienced that. They finally asked him, he said, have you ever felt like giving up? Have there ever been times that you truly doubted that you could make it to the end of the race? He said, oh yeah, yeah. I felt like that many times, many times. Finally, they asked him, well then how did you manage to finish if you experienced all of those things. He said, well, it's true, I have gotten leg cramps and I've pulled a hamstring. I have gotten cramps in my side and there have been many, many times I didn't know if I could finish the race. But he said, I'll tell you one thing I've never experienced. I've never met the time when I didn't think I could take one more step. He said, now, somebody stopped me along the way and said, could you run another mile? He said, oh, man, I don't know. I don't know if I could run another mile or not. Man, this leg's cramping up. I don't know if I could run another mile. If somebody had stopped me and said, when that hamstring was just burning like tar down my leg, could you, could, could you go? Can you go another mile? Can you run any faster? I don't know if I could do that. But I never lost the feeling that I could not take one more step. And so tonight, I'm not trying to insult your intelligence, but I have come to this pulpit tonight not to ask you to try to make it till Sunday. I haven't come here tonight to try to ask you to make it till December. And we'll just see if 2014 holds better things. But I've come to say, can you take one more step? And if you can take one more step, that's all it will take because ultimately, that one step becomes two, becomes three, becomes yards, becomes miles.
Amen. Finally, the finish line is in sight. The Scripture says that of these people that at one time so desperately wanted out from under the heavy hand of Pharaoh, they were discouraged in their soul. In their soul. They were so discouraged. And I know we've been pretty hard on them through the years. They were so discouraged that they longed to go back. That in their nostrils they could smell the onions and the garlic. Amen. They were, what was wrong? They were discouraged, discouraged of soul. But if they could just take one more step. Why don't we stand tonight? One more. Just one more step. Amen. If you had this experience, I'm confident everybody could say, sure. Have you ever experienced this along the way? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've tried that. I've, I've been there. Well, then how did you make it? There, there are no real secrets to success. It's just about getting up every day and doing the right thing, doing the right thing, doing the right thing. Amen. I wonder if we could just lift our hands and pray. Amen. If you're here tonight and there's a need at all in your life, great or small, do you know that God can meet that need? No matter where you are, irrespective of what you're going through. And I say that with great deference to every life that's represented here tonight. But irrespective of what you're going through, we serve a God who is God enough. We serve a God that is God enough to take care of our circumstances, take care of our lives. We can certainly put it in His hands. We can trust His hands. We can trust His care. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.